If pornography is a substitute for one's wife, it's awful. If it's a substitute for adultery, it's not awful. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Here we go. I think we just saw one of America's favorite conservatives acting not so conservative. Shocker? Yeah, co completely um, overwhelmed just by how dangerous the whole concept is. Yeah. Uh, it's very similar to saying um, it's okay to abuse my wife yeah. if it's avoiding killing my wife. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the counselor would say, look, you can, you can, you know, if you're getting verbal abuse, that's not as bad as physical abuse. So you'll just have to tolerate it. The logic behind it is crazy. Yeah. And we're going to discover just really the basis behind all this as we go through some of these further clips. Right. Um, we are talking about Dennis Prager here, uh, that the lead for Prager U. Yep. Numerous uh, conservative think tanks subscribe to almost all of his theories. And it, and then when something like this comes up, we just recognize how flawed humans still are. And if we ever are going straight after another human and what they have to say instead of what God has to say to us, we've missed. Exactly. Yep. At the heart of this, uh, Dennis treats porn as adultery pre prevention, not adultery. But I've never seen an example where sin is a good solution to sin. Because watching porn is sin. We know that. But Dennis isn't a Christian. He obviously he denies Christ. He follows the the uh, you know traditional Jewish law, and under the law, he believes that it's the behavior, not what's on the inner man, that counts as sin. And so it it's it's a dangerous path. And I, I actually disagree with him on that ground as well. God judged the heart of men in the Old Testament. It wasn't just based on behavior. It was based on the heart. It was based on the heart. We got the law because the heart was corrupt. I am less interested in the interior person, morally speaking, than you are. Yeah. So it, I tell you, he's a bad Jewish theologian. <laughs> he really is. You clean the outside of the cup and dish but inside they're full of greed and malice and self-indulgent of these things. And he's talking to these, these Jewish leaders. He's addressing their heart because they do everything on the surface right, but the heart is dirt. It's filthy. And he doesn't recognize how corrupt he is on the inside. Yeah, we're so blessed uh, to get it very early on in Matthew in the Gospels when he lays it out there in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Yeah, Sermon on the Mount, and he says, I say that even if you have not committed adultery, if you're looking at another woman with lust in your heart, then you've already committed adultery with her. And, and if ever there was an indication, and maybe this is where we differ with Dennis, because I don't think that Dennis would, would look at the Sermon on the Mount and say that was anything worth talking about. He would. <laughs> he comes from what he claims is a law-based religion. Largely, I do believe, because I come from a behaviorist, law-based religion. Yeah. So, you know, there are plenty of Old Testament scriptures that speak of the heart. In Genesis 6-5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Why did God destroy the world? 
Well, the flood, Old Testament story, right? Because of the heart. It wasn't just the behavior, it was the heart. From the heart comes behavior. What you believe flows outward in the form of behavior. I've heard numerous commentators and pastors talk about this in terms of the law, the 613, and we're going to get to that here in a bit, but the 613 discrete laws uh, that Judaism you know, holds near and dear about how it was not just a measuring stick for how well you're doing and how far you're getting up the mountain, so to speak, mm-hmm. but also it was a mirror wow. to basically look at yourself and to understand how rabidly depraved you are. <laughs> And you have no chance whatsoever to uphold these laws. And even if you can within yourself, and God bless, I I can almost guarantee there's some people out there, maybe a handful in in history that have been able to do this. Even if you can withhold or uphold those laws physically in your heart, no way. You're still corrupt. Yeah. Yeah. And even outwardly, um, just in terms of behavior, no one has, no one is perfect. Right. But the, Old Testament is replete with examples of how God judges the heart. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Psalm 139.1, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. Uh, Ezekiel 14, when any of the Israelites set up idols in their heart, and for their hearts went after idols. It's very clear. God looks at the heart. Uh, Ezekiel 33, uh, their hearts were filled with covetedness. Covetedness is an issue in the heart. It's not a behavior, right? (laughs) Exactly right. I mean, covet may transition into a sin, a physical sin, either killing somebody. Yeah. Adultery, you could covet somebody's But adultery starts, starts in the heart. Wouldn't you agree? Amen. That the general Jewish view, and I say general because I can't speak for for all Jews, even though I try to be normative, uh, is that uh, you can only commit adultery with, and I said this in the video, and I and I purposely said I'm not trying at all to be cute right. in any way. You can only commit adultery with one organ, and it is not the heart. <clears throat> Judaism is very uh, behavior based. Christianity uh, is more, not, it's not that it's not behavior-based, but it is equally, if not more, uh, thought, inner self, right. heart-based. I totally disagree. It's clearly, in the Old Testament, it is, yes, it does focus more on behavior, but God focuses more on the heart. When he talks about David... I mean, you look at David's litany of sin. We're talking about one of the, the, dare I say, one of the top five Bible heroes. (laughs) As we go to start stratifying and and classifying, I mean, David is held in such incredible high regard. And we look at his adultery. We look at his murder. We look at his just abject behaviors at certain points. And even then, God can recognize that this is a man after my own heart. Yep. Now, the big ticket here is that David was incredibly repentant, was willing to turn his shoulders and walk the other way. It's because he acknowledged that what was in him was not righteous. It wasn't just the behavior. He knew something deep down is off. Uh, But like in Jeremiah, 
the heart is deceitful above all things. <laughs> I, you know, it's almost a precursor. We talk about David when Paul in Romans 7 gives his Dr. Seuss litany about how come it is I do the things I don't want to do, but yet the things I do want to do, I cannot do. When, when, when he lays that out, it smacks of King David. And I'm not sure if that was purposeful in Paul's part. Right, right. And we know that, that Paul knew very well <laughs> the stories of David. I mean, he was one of the most fantastic um, pharisaical um, pre-Christians that ever lived. So. Right. The danger with this line of thinking is you can start to justify sins and do things um, through this justification process that are in, uh, completely destructive. Um, recently it came out that the um, largest porn website in the world, uh, Pornhub, was sold the parent company of Pornhub is called MindGeek. They were sold to another company uh, called Equity Capital. Let's pull up the article real quick. Okay, yeah, so it's Pornhub owner MindGeek sold to Canada's Ethical Capital. And the owner, one of the owners of Ethical, ethical Capital Partners is a Jewish rabbi. Because it's behavior. It's not sin to lust. It's not sin to do these things, right? Uh, to look with the eyes. But here you have a Jewish rabbi that owns, he's an ordained Jewish rabbi that owns the largest porn site in the world. This is super interesting. And we talk about the behavior versus the heart matter. Um, and so it, we'll hear from this a, a little bit more, hear about this a little bit more in the, in the coming uh, clips. But most other religions, if not all the other religions on the planet outside of Christianity, believing climbing up that mountain yourself, reaching a certain bar yourself, getting up there and, and doing the Lord's work so you can appear at some point to be righteous enough to possibly exactly. join him versus understanding that the mountain is insurmountably high and we have no chance at the exactly. mountain. And we desperately need our Savior. Jesus came. He raised the bar. He said, look, you have no chance of getting into heaven except through me. I am the doorway. I am the gate. He raised the bar. And if you want to check off boxes and think that, that uh, you know, if, if you score high enough, you'll get into heaven, you are sorely mistaken. Judaism, it, it is works. You, uh, uh, which I'll use the term that really uh, blows my Christian friend's mind. You earn salvation period, end of issue. How you act determines whether you go to heaven. I think if God judges justly, I think I have lived a life that has merited reward. You know, the crazy thing is, I like Dennis Prager. He looks like a nice guy. I've never met him. Um, I agree with him on most of the political issues, but we're not fighting a political battle in this country. We're, we're fighting a spiritual battle. And so when you miss the target completely, it doesn't matter how you stand on gun rights and freedom of speech and freedom of religion. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all because we're lost not because we can't find our way politically. We're lost because spiritually we're blind as a nation. And so just trying to make the nation better through a political fix is absolute a waste of time. 
We're facing an incredible choice in these next sets of elections. Yeah. And I want folks to understand that, to be honest, this is not a political solution to a heart problem. No. It, it has to be a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and a surrender of your life to his lordship. That's, that, those are the answers. And we will render unto whichever Caesar that which is his. If, I tell you, if God judges justly, like he does as a good judge, I'm going to hell. <laughs> Without Jesus, I am doomed. We, we often joked with our kids when they were little, you know, we'd always hear the, well, it's not fair. And it I, is exactly right. And I would say that, hey, man, the fair comes in October. No, that's what I said when they were younger. The, the, yeah. the fair comes to our city in October. And, so, uh-huh. and now I love to say that fair would have been Jesus for the first time going to the temple as a 12-year-old. He would have looked around, eyes wide open, and he would have said, I'm going back to hang out at the knee of my father. Y'all can burn in hell. Yeah, I'm out. That's what fair would have been. Right. And so it, it, it's a far cry from you know what comes in October. But the analogy is just the same once we recognize the heart issue that we have, not some behavioral metric that we need to meet. Exactly. Ecclesiastes, I think it's chapter 7, it says, Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. Ecclesiastes 7.20. And it's why the Scripture commands us to love Him with all of our heart. That's, That's a commandment. He's saying, hey, you are commanded to do something internally. It's not just behavior-based. Den- Dennis is framing his entire theology around this scorecard approach to salvation. If I do these things, let me check the boxes. If I do these things, I am saved. But the Old Testament doesn't speak of that. Yes, there's laws, there's sacrifice, I get it. But God was saying, I gave you the law because your heart was wicked and evil. I, yeah, yeah. The, the danger of all of this and the frustration I have from it is Dennis is a leader in our nation that many Christians follow. Unfortunately, many Christians follow because the foundation is wrong. And that's why I say, unfortunately, his foundations are wrong. Yeah, he may have great advice on political issues, but spiritually, this guy's lost. Is lost. Obviously, adultery and lust are different things. If they weren't different things, we wouldn't have two separate words for them. But right. I, yeah. Also, okay, so I get what he's saying. It's a little risky there. Yeah, technically, there are different things. Um, Jesus looks at them the same, right? A, a porn and adultery, or lust and adultery. This is this is really really interesting. This point, we start parsing out sin. Um, I say we, I'm talking about the clip here. Um, there'll be a lengthy addition to this clip about different sin gradations, diff- different stratifications and different levels of sin and which sin is worse and which sin. And listen, I, I completely agree. The little white lie versus uh, child molestation. We're talking about two wholly different things. And I, and I never, I, I never want to, to have anybody think otherwise. But right. I will say the, the most egregious and the most o- offensive sin, I believe, to our Lord is even the little white lie, unrepented, continuously pervade, 
yeah. with, with no regard and a hardening of heart that that is actual sin and will separate you from Jesus unless you surrender your life to the Lordship of him and allow him to change you from the inside out. You are bound to be, at a minimum, a serial sinner. <laughs> it's like going into a court and telling the judge, look, I could have chopped this guy's head off. I know this is gruesome. I could have chopped his head off, but I only beat him to death with a baseball bat. It's not as egregious as, you, as it could have been. You commit a murder, right? Sin is sin. And I know that's extreme, but the point is God is a just God. He judges us based on his law. And there's no less penalty than hell. You don't get like, uh, okay, you know, the, the temperature is only 300 degrees. It's hell. It's hot. It's hell. You get in the same place as everyone else. And it's forever. So, which comes somewhat of a revelation to my uh, Christian friends is there's no, uh, uh, there is no sin of the, there are 613 laws in the Torah. None of them say do not lust. You can't covet. Covet right. is a very different concept of, than lust. Do you see the contradiction? It, okay, so it's behavior-based, except when it gets to coveting. And then coveting is a heart issue, but he doesn't acknowledge that it's a heart issue. Ah, all right. <laughs> it's like... There, there, there's so much ground so to cover. Flawed. Yeah, it, the, the, the flaws are apparent. And they're, and they're myriad. And as you pick things like this apart, you just recognize that but God, rich in mercy, gave us that way. Yeah. He, he, he gave us his son. And when we think about things that go wrong in our lives, if we don't focus on his glory and our good, it'll all seem cataclysmic. It'll all seem yeah. in, somewhat, in some ways sinful. It'll all seem like it's wrought from sin and we don't... Then we'll go back to the fair concept of why did why do bad things happen to good people? Yeah, and and we miss the the, the entering argument that we are heart, bad people at heart. There are no good people. <laughs> exactly. Porn is adultery of the heart. I think that pornography inflames us to then want to act those fantasies out, and I think there's good studies that back that up. But surely you wouldn't say to the man who views animated child pornography, "That's not bad, so long as you don't act it out." Ay, ay, ay. Here we go. Wouldn't you want to help this poor sick dude? Yes, I would, but I'm thrilled. Okay, that's good. Thrilled that he's not acting it out. I mean, Agreed. Okay. Of course. Well, that's big. Yeah. We're both thrilled <laughs> that he might have a poor substitute, but it is a substitute if that were the case. No child is being used. Yeah. It's all animated. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and he. But is, would you would you use the word evil of animated child pornography? Because no, I, I certainly I, would. I can't, no, I would use evil only with behavior. Ah, yeah, yeah, man. Wow, 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 wow. This is some treacherous ground at this point. We've, we've kind of graduated now to, um, I guess the, the the quiet things are being spoken out loud at this yeah, point. He's okay with. Animated porn. Animated child porn. Yeah, and he doesn't see it as harmful, doesn't see it as sinful. I, I'm not sure that he recognizes the litany yep. of producers, the litany of animators, the, the, the laundry list of folks behind the scenes that were used to create the animated yep. child porn. You know, folks that look at porn and think to themselves, I'm not hurting anybody. I think that they're missing what it's doing to them 
how they reflect that onto their families, the ones that they love the most, the folks that went into the creation of the pornography, the woman who never was thinking to herself as a little girl, right. I'm going to grow up and become an object in pornography. Right. It's never someone's initial going in argument. This is what I want to do with my life. Right. Even if they're just thrilled to be there, the money's wonderful, the drugs are, are beautiful, the alcohol is flowing, they are broken. Absolutely. And this leads to this, this leads down a path where you go from animated child pornography to actual child pornography. Okay, maybe let's start with uh, kids between 15 and 18 years old. And then you start lowering the age limit, and now you're down to telling you that's what's coming. I really believe that's what's coming. That's the next battle. We went from gay rights to transgenderism to pedophilia. That's the next fight. Or what's the new phrase for it? It is minor attracted person. Oh, so, okay. It's very interesting. Uh, I, I believe it's the United Nations recently came out with a, a proposed initiative um, to drastically reduce the age of consent huh. uh, for some of the subscribing countries. And it, it, it just baffles me that we cannot see this continual, increasingly uh, speeding downhill hurdle that we're on. And I think the frustration that we Christians have in this country is if you're, you know, 35 and up, you got, you got a taste of the last remnant of America as a Christian nation. You know, it, it, we had a little hint left in the 1980s and 90s, barely. Um, now, what I've heard about the 40s and 50s from people who lived during that time, totally different nation. I didn't, I didn't get to experience that. And so we have this, it's like we're grieving this loss of a nation because I think what we're going through is societal collapse. It's like we're grieving the death of America. That's what breaks my heart. And it makes me angry at the same time because it's like I know you're dying and you don't want help. I took an email a couple of days ago from a gentleman. And he said, I'm a little bit worried about showing conquer to my youth group. Mm. Um, and he was talking about his 15 to 18s. And in my mind, I'm thinking, we need to hit your 11 to 14s. In some ways, if we can get to your 8 to 10s, because they are getting it. You think about the normal K through 5 elementary school out there. Mm. So a kindergartner is riding the school bus with a fifth grader. There's a whole bunch of fifth graders out there that have the phone that are saying, hey, kindergartner, check this out. It usually comes from an older kid. And when we talk to the kids about this stuff, they're seeing it. Your kids are seeing it. Listen, Christian school, private school, That's right. public school, charter schools. Yep. Okay? If, if your kids are outside of, of your eyeline, they are probably seeing they're it. They're probably seeing it. And unfortunately, maybe they didn't want to see it, but they saw it and they're still shameful and, it's, and they're scared to say something about it because it's arousing. Mm -hmm. They're like, okay, but because I felt that way, there must be something wrong with me and I don't want to talk about it. So if you don't have that conversation already in, in movement in your family, you're in trouble. Yep. Like you should be having these conversations. My kids know, like we talk about this pretty consistently. You know, what are you going to do if someone comes up in school and shows you this? I talk to them. You know, they don't know what intercourse is. They don't know. I got, I got a six-year-old and a nine-year-old. Now I'm getting to the age of, I got to start talking a little bit heavier with my nine-year-old. Um, 
but they know that people take pictures of themselves in the nude and, and, and they put that on the internet. That's how I explain it. It's like, hey, look, there's, there's good pictures out there, there's bad pictures. And those bad pictures are gonna scar your brain. They're gonna set you up to do really stupid things in life. They're aware of it, right? Put the armor on your kids, get them ready. Because Satan is prowling on your doorstep. He, if, he, if you don't disciple your kids, he will. And he'll do it in their face at five, six, seven years old. So why are we debating whether 11-year-old or an eight-year-old should be learning about pornography and sexuality and masturbation and these things? You can talk to them in a way that's age-appropriate, but they've got to hear it. They've got to hear it. If you don't take the lead with your kids, I believe, the world will gladly step in and take over for you. Absolutely. Um, I'm very blessed. Most of the folks that are listening, they, they know my story about sexual sin and perversion. What? And what happened? I know. Yeah, I exactly. No you don't listen. <laughs> and so for 30 years, I struggled with it. It started off as, as, oh my gosh. as pornography. It graduated into uh, deeper uh, affections with pornography, emotional affairs, physical affairs. And eventually one of my affair partners was killed and an attempt was made on my life. Right. And so before that, I had no clue how to talk to my kids. At that point, my boys were 14, 12, 10, and 8. And God airdropped the capability into my lap to be mm. able to talk to my sons. It was very public what happened, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I thank God for the wreck in my life to not just wow. save me, but also give me a chance to talk to my kids about this in a way that can be loving, in a way that can be... Um, preventative of the distortion and the corruption that the enemy seeks um, over our marriage beds. Wow, what a perspective. Well, listen, if you guys are out there and you're watching and you're struggling with porn, we've got a a series for this called the Conquer Series. Actually, Matt Fried is in it, the guy that was just speaking here. Um, It's 10 episodes, and it takes you in-depth on what it looks like to walk free from sexual integrity. We, We lead you out of Conquer Series and the Warpath, which is 29 episodes. It's all on solarfunder.com. And I would just say, in addition to all of this, be careful where you're consuming content. Be careful the people that you follow. Um, I like Dennis Prager. I like, uh, who's the other guy? Jordan. uh, Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. They all look like nice guys, but I don't follow them. I'm not going to follow him because his foundations are broke. Um, Ben Shapiro looks like a nice guy. I'm not interested. No offense. Just I'm following Jesus. If I'm going to take time to study and to listen to someone, I want to hear his words. I want to follow him. And in a part, in addition to that, it just winds me up because I, I see the problem that exists in the country and they're offering political solutions to it. And it's never going to solve a spiritual problem. These men that we've talked about, some most of them are of the Judaic uh, mentality. And yeah. so as Christians, um, we subscribe to a very specific and narrow way to the Father. Uh, it says it very clearly. There is no way to the Father but, right. by, but by Jesus. By no other name under heaven. But it is stunningly inclusive. <laughs> <laughs> Any of these guys can, can become a Christian. Absolutely. And that's what I pray for. 
I, I pray for these discussions to become a moment of, oh my goodness, Lord, over to you. That's right. I, I, Jesus went to the Jews first. They are certainly favored in that sense that he went to them and preached to them in their temples, in their synagogues, right? So I love these Jewish guys. We don't have anything against them. It's just the their thinking is distorted in more than just spiritual ways. It, and it goes deeper than just spiritual, and that's quite deep. Um, when you align your thinking in terms of, of excusing um, watching pornography because it's not a sin, you're still, okay, let's just, for a second, let's, let's remove all spirituality away from it. You're still objectifying women. I'd love to talk about what is the effect of all this on women and, and the objectification of women. That's it. And it starts with the objectification, then it becomes a classification. Then we start drawing lines and saying like, well, I think she would make the cut or she wouldn't make the cut. You'll hear some of these younger guys say like, well, that's, a, that's about a six pack. What, what are we doing? What are we hey, doing? Listen, yeah. I was one of those guys. And that's why I can, I can say it objectively. Here's where I was. Here's what Christ did in my life, and here's how I feel now. Right. But don't take my word for it. Watch a little bit what my wife has to say. Mm. She's the witness. <laughs> I mean, she gets to see firsthand what it looked like at one point, and then she also gets to see the new man. Wow. And so I, I would offer that to anyone. Right. So what message does it send to a woman whose husband is watching porn. If you have men like Dennis Prager and others who are basically saying, well, he's not having an affair, so at least he's not having an affair, so he can watch porn. What message does that send to her? Is she considered at all in this equation? It's reckless because it's totally objectifying women. And here we are in a in a state in our society, in our nation, where identity is totally disappearing. Like we, we're, we're at a loss for identity. We have a, an identity crisis in our country. Um, and I know that uh, Dennis Prager and others are, they're talking about this, right? They're talking about the transgender movement and these things. Well, look, where do you think this comes from? It's a loss of identity. And it's connected to pornography, so it's like, you know, where does it go from here? Yeah, it's super interesting. As we objectify, we basically remove the humanity from that person, and we treat them almost as a disposable entity Wow, that, that we can just throw away. And, and I mean, there's, in the Old Testament, there were lots of reasons. I mean, if she gooned up dinner, she could be divorced. <laughs> And, and remember, Old Testament divorce meant that she had no way forward in life. There was going to be nobody to provide for her any longer. Right. And so we have kind of taken that, and because of the current objectification of women, we are now placing that same you know, kind of mindset uh, to the women of today. Exactly. Yep. You can't value something you objectify. And so to, to say... For, I'm sure Dennis would argue that he values women, but at the same time, he's devaluing them by supporting porn. I don't get it, man. No. It's frustrating. Um, I think that if you got down into 
the deep recesses of how a lot of these conservatives think on mainstream media, um, your favorite commentators, I think you'd be shocked at what they actually believe. And so if those foundations are broke, why follow them? Why be their student? Turn them off. Really, turn them off. Listen to Jesus. Spend, if you can spend one hour listening to this guy, can you spend one hour listening to the words of Jesus? Find an app that plays his words and listen to it, just like you would a podcast. Yeah, this is super interesting. Um, I believe too many of us are looking for almost that, that newfound American quick fix. We're looking for that, that, that wand wave over our lives, and it doesn't come from the mouthpiece of somebody else. Right. It's, it has to come from what our, our Lord tells us through the Bible, both Testaments. That's right. Okay, so a few weeks ago, you and I were in Arkansas. Marcos was with us, and uh, we were speaking at a men's event. There's a 1,000 men there. We took a survey. In the survey, we had 457 respondents uh, got involved in the survey because it had to do, the topic of the survey was to do with sexual related issues, sexuality, uh, sexual integrity. And so a lot of them just chose to not answer. That's their choice. It's fine. Um, but of those who did respond, we saw that over, was it 70% are using masturbation? Um, over 50% of those respondents were watching pornography on a consistent, regular basis. And so if you have a church today who is objectifying women, how does the men in the church defend women at the same time they're objectifying women? You can't do it. You can't do it. And that's why you have this transgender movement. And it, it's not until you have dudes in dresses showing up, drinking your beer, that you get upset. But you go home and watch porn. I don't get it. Like, do you see the double-mindedness in this? If he's drinking my beer, I'm going to get mad, but, you know, I'm going to go watch some porn. What damage does it do to the woman who's in the porn film? What damage does it do to, the, to your wife who experiences this betrayal? Oh, yeah. So the excuse is, well, she doesn't know what I'm doing. What she doesn't know doesn't hurt her. Look, she may not know the facts, but she knows the truth. She knows the truth. Yeah. Men, t take it from me. If, if you're tied up with porn even if your wife doesn't know about it and things remain apparently uh, kosher between you, um, you have no chance of fully loving her because you are still mapped onto that pornography. You are still imprinted on that. Yep. And so as long as there's that, that connection that you have with pornography, then your view of sexuality is distorted and it's corrupted. And there are extra folks in your bedroom. Only when you can have it what I consider to be a garden marriage. And listen, I, I, I am the number one uh, rule breaker here. I, I'll take lead in the line of centers. But whenever we bring extra stuff into our bedroom, extra people, extra images, um, what we're doing is we're basically telling her she's not enough. We are telling her that we need all this other thing, all these other things to keep us engaged and that she can never be enough for us. And what that does is it damages her psyche. And now right. she is playing defense every step of the way. She has no chance to try and fully love us because she's just trying not to be hurt. And so for a lot of guys, I hear this. Well, you don't understand. She doesn't do this for me. 
she doesn't or she treats me poorly in this regard. And so I, I deserve this. And so let me ask you a question. Have you gone first? Have you gone first in shedding your pornography habit? Have you gone first in getting rid of all those little emotional ties that you may have with older uh, acquaintances? Have you gone first in making her feel like she is the only woman, not just in your eyes, but also in your bed and in between your ears and in your heart? Because until that happens, we have no chance to love her correctly. And that's what it means to submit yourself to one another. Most men start at, well, does she have to submit herself to me? Yes. And you have to submit yourself to her. Submit to one another. It's not the man or the woman is supposed to submit to the husband. You're supposed to submit to one another. And part of that submission is you are mine. When you gave your vows, when you got married, it says till death do us apart, right? Faithful to one another. So I highly disagree with Dennis Prager's uh, point on this entire uh, subject of pornography. I think it's a shocker. I look at where we are as a nation uh, Lamar, and I'm like, unless there's an absolute change in direction of a repentance among the people, I don't know if there's much hope left for the nation. Um, and I'm not trying to be too pessimistic, skeptical over this, but it just seems like we're at the end of the end in terms of who we are as a people. Um, and I don't think that there's a political solution to it. I know there's not, but I'd love to see pornography banned. Wow. Wiped off the map. And look, you can argue this as a libertarian and say, well, you know, this is a right. We can't be banning pornography. What I do in my own bedroom is my business. Well, then how about cocaine? Should we legalize prostitution across the country? Should we go down all the illicit drugs? Anything that we want to do should be a freedom. Like, where does it stop? I class pornography as digital cocaine wrecking the country for the good of its people, we should not have porn in this country. It should be outright banned. And until the, I'm about to use bad words, <laughs> until some people in the church, the wimps, say, look, we, yeah, you know what? We do need to ban it. We need to ban it because I'm banning it in my house. So why don't we ban it in our state? Let's just start there. Let's ban it in our state. You want porn, you got to go to another state. Or how about we have a law that says when the internet service provider, the ISP provider in your community shows up at your doorstep, they hand you a document to sign that says, would you like, would you, would you allow pornography? Will you allow pornography to come in your home? Yes or no? You sign off right there. I can't let my kids on the internet. Why is that? Because porn runs through the cables in my house. They can type something in in a blink of an eye. And I know I can put the apps on my computers. Why doesn't it start at the service provider? That's a simple law. You want porn? Okay, you can have it. I don't want it. And then start to shut down the porn company, start to heal the families, start to help these men. And here's the other argument. Well, look, if, there's, isn't, if porn isn't legal, we're going to watch it anyways. Okay. Well, that, that was the same argument for abortion. Well, I'll have an abortion in a back, you know, a back alley. Well, <laughs> we're going to eliminate it for a lot of other people. 
And I know you can't ban it in the heart. I know it's a heart issue. But when you got a city full of drug addicts, the where you focus is getting the drugs out of the city to give them a fighting chance. And if pornography is running through the veins of this nation, she doesn't have a chance. Lady Liberty is on her deathbed. She's dying. And I'm, I think we're about to hear the, the, the last screech of life in her blood because I don't think she's got much longer. That sounds very gloomy, but no, it, 70% of men in church are addicted to porn. Yeah. Where's the hope? And the enemy hooks us early. Right now we're seeing in some of these school board meetings, we're, we're seeing 10 and 11-year-olds stand up and read out of books that are available in their library. And the school board members are having to shut down these children from reading these things because there are other kids in the room. Golly. But this is the stuff that's in the library for these elementary school kids. And then you have librarians that are offering them, oh, well, if you like that book, why don't you try this one and try this one? And so this is where we are right now. Listen, I, I'm not concerned if this is a, a national issue, if this is a local issue, if this is a state issue. Yes, this is not an or problem. This is an and problem. It's all the above. That's right. So wherever we can insert ourselves yeah. as Christians, the church, the local level, the state level, the national level, yep. we do that. Yep. We do that. Our, our kids are at risk here. And Kids you, are at risk. You, you hear it a lot, and I, I want to echo some of what uh, Dennis Prager and some of his colleagues say all the time. They are coming for our children. In large part, they have our children in some regards. And so then why let them draw animated porn? Why be in support of that, Dennis Prager? Yeah, exactly. If you know they're coming for your kids, why support it? Yeah. It's so hypocritical. I completely agree. Our secular studies are now starting to prove out and echo a Christian sentiment that's been around for a long time on this, mm. just on the destructive nature of porn and how it's affecting our young men. We're starting to see much lower testosterone levels across our men wow. in their 20s. Yep. Uh, we're starting to see later and later marriages. And it's in large part because these guys have grown up with this idea that um, no one woman, no one type could ever possibly satisfy that man. Right. And so the variety, kind of exactly what Mr. Prager was talking about, has overtaken these guys. And you got, you got ED problems, too. Big time. Big time. That, that was kind of the punchline here. 19, oh, wasn't it 19, <laughs> 20, 22 years old? Yep. Yep. And, and, it's, and it's not necessarily... And for, forgive the crass language. I, I hope this is a, a PG-13 plus uh, uh, issue here, but um, it's not a problem with getting it up. It's a problem with when, when am I going to be uh, able to be satisfied? Yeah. And so I, I just, I, I, I shudder to think about the effect again that it's going to have on the, this next generation of women as they enter what they think might be a garden marriage. And all of a sudden they look across the bedroom at their, their husband who didn't have, I guess, the integrity to tell them about his issues before they got married. Yeah, exactly. Like, where do we think this, this Me Too movement came from? This misogyny, you know, this feminist movement, it came from, and, and this is not in total, totality, uh, but it came in part from the frustration that women have in society in relation to men. They drink poison all day. They drink, they're drinking pornography. 
Uh, we understand there is a growing element of the female population that is just as hooked on pornography. Yeah. Um, we are super excited um, here at Soul Refiner. Uh, there are groups available for women that are struggling. Um, they are out there, they are running, and they are full of women that love you, want to help you get healed, want to walk alongside you. Yeah, we've got men's groups as well. Yeah. Sign up for a men, men's group at soulrefiner.com. Um, we've got the Conquer Series, Warpath, Stronger Together, Legacy Series. We've got a lot of courses available. We help broken people. That's what we do. And so, obviously, we're passionate about this subject of pornography because we see how prolific and damaging it is to the nucleus of the family in the nation. And I believe that it's the thing that can wreck a nation. It can absolutely destroy it. Um, and if I could, I'd ban it. I'd, I'd destroy it altogether. Um, but I know that's an uphill battle. And in the meantime, we will fight the war man to man. So if that, if that means helping one man at a time gain freedom, that's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. Because, uh, you know, God's called us to disciple. Just, uh, I'd love to just take a moment to pray if that's okay. Yeah. Hey. Absolutely. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for folks that are tuning in uh, all across the world. Um, thank you for folks that are, are diligent and not only, you know, walking purely themselves, but in helping somebody else. Uh, as a man gets into recovery, as a woman experiences true freedom from this and from betrayal uh, regarding sexual integrity issues, they recognize almost immediately that advanced recovery is leadership and to help somebody else and to reach a hand down to assist someone else. And so God, I, I pray for that. I pray for that continued obedience. I, I pray for just an awakening in the country that moments like Kentucky sprout up all over and that we graduate from those emotional moments into a, a sexually pure life that is full of just integrity. That it's all one person. There's, there's not a in the closet masturbating dad versus a parental dad versus a marital dad versus a work dad. It's all one dad and it's all underneath the, the purview of Jesus Christ. It's an integrated person mentality and that's what I'm praying for for all of us here. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for these folks. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, brother.